Hi, I'm Josh Van Berkel. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. It's awesome to have uh, my son Harrison in with us this morning. Yes, give him a round of applause. So Harrison came up to me this morning. He said, I just feel like God wants uh, me to stay in the service this morning, which is pretty cool. So just that you know that is allowed. Kids are allowed to be in here. And if you ever feel like God wants you to go out with the kids, be my guest. Hey, go for it. See what they do out there. Uh, hey, for those of you that don't know me, uh, my name is Josh, and along with my wife, Liz, who's out with the children uh, and the team here we lead uh, at Activate. Uh, just before I get started, a reminder that next Sunday, which is the last Sunday in uh, January, we're doing uh, kind of like what you'd call a Vision Sunday, it's traditionally called, but what we're doing is we're just going to present what we believe God is saying over Activate Christchurch for 2021. Uh, the emphasis that He uh, wants us to have, we feel the direction that He wants us to go in. Uh, so if you call Activate Christchurch home, uh, you just got to be here next Sunday. And if you're visiting and you're thinking, oh, this is a pretty cool church, I'd like to know more about them, next Sunday is a great Sunday to come. And if you've got nothing to do next Sunday and you don't fit either of those categories, come anyway, because it's going to be uh, it's going to be awesome. Uh, who's enjoying their Read the Bible in a Year Bible plan? Yes, we've kind of got over the hump of Leviticus numbers. We're starting to move into Deuteronomy. I swear there is stuff that has been added to my Bible that was not there before. Has anybody felt that way? Like I'm reading my Bible during the week. There's a whole section on what the husband does if he thinks his wife's cheated on him. Did you guys read that? Yeah. Takes her to the temple. She's got to drink like this magic potion. And if she has been, this is weird. If she has been cheating on her husband, the priest says, have you been cheating on your husband? And if she says, no, nah, and she has, then the potion that she drinks makes her belly swell up and she can't have kids. But if she's telling the truth, then nothing happens. There's nothing in there at all about what a wife does if she thinks her husband's playing around. It's very strange. The Bible is very, very strange. I read that. I was like, you know what? I've never heard in my entire life a sermon preached on that. <coughs> it's one of those things in the Bible that we're like, uh, okay. You know? Old Testament. Isn't that a handy thing? Old Testament. Just write the whole thing off. Old Testament. Um, so uh, if you haven't been here over the last couple of weeks, we've kind of kicked the year off with a bit of an emphasis on growth. We've been talking about growing and how important uh, growth is, which is a fun thing to start uh, the year with. So a couple of Sundays ago, I talked about the three kind of main uh, ingredients that you need to grow, the three main attitudes you've got to have to grow. One of them was you've got to be prepared to sacrifice, right, because growth never comes for free. It's either going to require some sort of financial investment. For example, this week I bought a couple of books on fasting because I believe that one of the things God has said to us as a church, no, no, just me personally, is to, to really get into fasting this year. And I'm like, well, if I'm going to fast, which I hate even more than I hate sheep, which those of you know is very high, I want to make sure that I'm really across why I'm doing it and what you know fasting does. So there's a great book on fasting by Jensen Franklin, and I bought it, and it arrived, and I'm like, this isn't the book that I thought it was. So I bought another one of his books. So I bought two, and they're the exact same book with a different cover, <laughs> which is annoying. So if you want to borrow one, uh, you can borrow one. Uh, but that is a good way to make money, right? right? Just write the same book over and over again and change 
the cover because most people do what I did, which is judge it on the cover. Um, so sometimes it requires a financial investment. Often it requires you know, a lot of time or energy, or in my case, you know, uh, not eating for a day a week. So my plan this year, and I don't say it for any reason other than to lead by example, is that I felt God said, I want you to fast this year. And so I'm fasting Mondays, unless I've got something on. Then I'm going to fast uh, Tuesdays. But, but one day a week is what I've said to God, I'm going to do that this year, which is not something I've ever done before, which brings me to our second point from a couple of weeks ago, which is that if you want to grow, you've got to be prepared to do something different or to try something new. The internet tells me, I'm not sure if it's accurate, that Albert Einstein once said, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. And I don't know about you, but if this is the high watermark for my spiritual life, me right here, right now, that's not enough for me. I want to grow. I want to go deeper with God. I want my relationship with God to become you know, more exciting and more impacting. And so if I wanted to stay exactly where it is now, the best thing I can do is not do anything different. Just keep doing what I've done for the last 38 years. Because what I've done for the last 38 years is exactly what I needed to do to get where I am right now. But if I want to go further, deeper, I've got to do something different. Uh, which is why I've said, okay, I'm going to fast a day a week this year. Never done that before. And then the third thing, just to catch you up, that we talked about was that if you want to grow, you have to be prepared to get uncomfortable. It's a very black and white statement, but it's one that I happen to believe. You can't grow and be comfortable at the same time. The two are mutually exclusive. You have seasons of growth and you have seasons of comfort. The danger for us is that our seasons of comfort become lifestyles of comfort, because we like comfort. Who doesn't like to be comfortable? I love to be comfortable. That's why I don't go camping, right? I had a friend um, invite me camping once, and he said, I'll send you a list of all the things that you need to go camping. I said, it's all right. I've already made my own list. Number one, new friends, right? <clears throat> I, like, I like my comfort. We all like our comfort, but you can't grow and be comfortable at the same time. And something that we've said uh, over the last couple of weeks is that we believe that our job here as leaders at Activate is to create an environment, to build a culture where there is as much opportunity as possible for you to grow in your relationship with God. And everyone says, yes, that's great. I am on board with that. But I need to be clear, growth is uncomfortable. So another way of saying what we're here to do is that we're here to create a culture build an environment where there's as much opportunity as possible for you to get uncomfortable in your relationship with God, because that's where growth happens, eh, Jackie? So on that note, who is ready to get uncomfortable this morning? I'm not entirely sure where this will go, because I've got a semblance of an idea, and there's a part of me that thinks it's too confrontational, too, too challenging, but we'll just see what, what God does. Let me ask you a question this morning. Who here would like to know what God's will for their life is right now. Let me see, who here wants to know what God's will for their life is? There's only two reasons that you wouldn't put your hand up to that. Right, number one is that you accidentally walked into the wrong building this morning. And you're sitting there thinking, I'm meant to be making laminate benches next door and I'm in the wrong building and now it's too embarrassing to, to leave. Right? The second reason you wouldn't put your hand up is that you go, well, I do want to know what God's will for my life is, but doing this is too much effort on a Sunday morning, and so you didn't. But let me just remind you, like we said last Sunday, uh, in the context of a Sunday morning, if you want to grow, all of the research tells us that the more engaged you are and the more you contribute to what's going on, the more you retain, the more you learn, the more you grow. So when I say things like, hey, who wants to do this? It might seem silly to go, yeah, I wanna do it, 
but the more on board you are, the better it is for you as far as remembering what's being talked about, participating, and engaging. So next time, I'm preaching to myself because I hate it when pastors say, do this, do that. I'm just like, no. Oh, the classic, turn to your neighbor and say, you're looking good this morning. Ugh. You will not hear me do that. <laughs> you know, all the, all the classic, and Jesus said, everybody say, Jesus said. Goes, Jesus said. Right, like, I'm not going to do that either. But every now and again, I might be like, hey, you know, give me a wave. Let me know that you're there. So everyone puts their hand up, right, because we all want to know what God's will for our life is. We want to know what God's will for our life is. And I was reading my Bible during the week, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's there, right there in black and white, the, the one or two things that we have to do if we want to know what God's life is, uh, or will for our life is. And I was fascinated to see that it's actually uh, stuck at the end of a verse that I knew off by heart, but I didn't really know the second part. And what's concerning is that when I read it, it's actually one sentence. So there is a verse in the Bible that is one verse, one sentence, and most of us, if you've been a Christian for a long time, you've been in church for a while, you will know what this verse is, but we memorize and repeat the first half, then there's a comma, and then there's the second half, and we never mention the second half, which is weird because the second half is what gives us the whole motivation, the reason, the why that we would do the first half. Let me read the second half to you. Maybe if you're Super Christian, you'll work out what the verse is. This is out of the New Living Translation. It says this, then, this is finishing the thought, then you will learn to know God's will for you. Like, ah, what's the first half? If I do the first half, then I will learn to know God's will for me. The first half, does anyone recognize that verse, FYI? FYI, that's not the right thing to say. For your information, do you recognize the verse? No. Does anyone recognize that verse? The first half goes like this in the NIV, which is the version that I always memorized it in. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Who knows that section? Who always thought it went full stop, end of thought? No. It goes, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, comma, if you're reading out of the King James. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I like the New Living Translation this morning. It says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I've got one thought for us this morning, for us to go home and, and mull over. And let me just say, and I've said it before, you know, we, we watched a short video by Shane Willard last week, those of us that were here. Shane Willard says that a good message should be wrestled with, right? When you look at Jesus in the Bible, he delivered messages that people were like, I don't know if I like that, Jesus. Like he, he gave you messages to wrestle with. I just can't see the point in all of us coming to church on a Sunday morning, me preaching a nice message, and you go home and you say, ah, oh, what a lovely message from Pastor Josh this morning. I just loved it so much. He preached out of my favorite passage of scripture, and I loved it, and it's just, I felt so lovely. Waste of time, Pat, <laughs> right? What I want 
is that we go home and we're like, ah, if what Josh said is true, I need to change some things in my life. If what Josh said is true, we need to reevaluate some things, honey. If what Josh said is true, then we need to maybe relook at some things in our life. Like, oh, I, I desperately hope he's wrong because otherwise I've got to change some stuff. Like, you know, wrestle with it. Jacob wrestled with God. When Jesus preached, even his disciples at one point said, man, you're being too, too challenging, too tough. A good message should be wrestled with. So let me just lay that groundwork. My goal this morning is not that you all love me at the end. My goal is that you go home and go, if Josh is right, we might have to relook at some things in our life. So my one big idea this morning for us to mull over is you cannot learn to know God's will for your life if you are building your life the way the world builds theirs. It's a bit of a chicken and the egg situation, right? A lot of us think, oh, well, when God tells me how to live my life, then I will live my life the way that God tells me. Paul says, no, you've got to back the front. You start living your life the way God wants you to live it, and then you start to understand and learn what God's will for your life is. Do not conform to the patterns of this world or the behavior and customs of this world. That word conform in the Greek is only used twice in the whole Bible. It's a Greek word that I cannot pronounce, but it starts with the letter S and it's translated conform here. And Peter uses it in his first letter. And when Peter uses it, the translators have translated it fashioned. It denotes this idea that what you do is you look at the pattern of something in front of you, and then you choose to fashion and shape and carve out for yourself your own representation of what you have seen in front of you using that blueprint. And this is what so many Christians do. We look at the people around us. We look at their values, and then we carve out our values based on their values. We look at the culture of the day, what the media is saying around morality, and we carve out our own definition of morality based on the blueprint that we see in front of us. We match our priorities to their priorities. We match our principles to their principles, and we match our practices to their practices. And Paul says, if you do that, you will never discover God's will for your life. The secret to discovering God's will for your life is to not conform to the behaviors and customs of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, or in the NLT, to let God transform you into a new person. I love these two choices that Paul gives us, because in the first choice, there is a lot of work for us to do. We fashion it, we shape it, we carve out who we are, we're looking around, we're trying to find where we fit in, we're constantly changing what we think, how we view things, what's appropriate, what isn't. It's a heck of a lot of work for us to try and find our way in this world, doing it that way. And Paul says, if you go to all of that effort, you're not going to get the result that you want. On the other hand, he says, if you let God transform you, which sounds like a lot less effort to me. Like the Greek word for transform, some of you will know this if you've been in church for a while, is the Greek word metamorpho, which is where we get the word metamorphosis, right? Which is what happens when a caterpillar crawls into a cocoon and then poof, a couple of weeks later or however long it takes, out pops the beautiful butterfly. Tell you what the caterpillar's not doing in there. 
He's not furiously stitching on new wings. He's not furiously making stuff happen. Man, he's just, he's out to it, and it just happens to him. So option A is you put in all of this work, trying to work life out for yourself and work out where you stand on certain issues and what your priorities are and what's important to you and what isn't. And you're doing it based on your friends and your coworkers and society, and it's just a waste of time. Option B is that you let God transform you from the inside out by changing the way you think. Any suggestions on things that you can do to change the way you think? Throw them at me. Dan, hit me with one. Read something different. Awesome. Change the way you think. Exactly. Read something different. Read your Bible more often. What else, Abel? Hit me with <laughs> Learn something new. Very good. Dee, have you got one? You just cleared your throat. Do something different. That's right. What about getting around people that are emulating this? You know, we had uh, lunch last Sunday with some friends of ours, and uh, I like them a lot, and we've known them for a number of years. But what I have noticed um, since sort of reconnecting recently is, is not that their priorities have changed, but the order of their priorities have changed. And now it is eminently clear that the, their top priority in life is going after what God wants. And I love getting around people like that because it challenges me to think differently about how I do life. Um, on a scale of one to 10, how challenged are you feeling? Like pretty moderate so far? Like we're on the green. Just bump it up to some orange. <laughs> yeah, might as well. Let me ask you a question. If I looked at your bank account, would your bank account say to me, I am living my life, my priorities and my principles and my practices are in line with what God says? Or does your bank account look pretty much like everybody, others, everybody else's bank account? You know what the world says? The world says you've got to look after number one. There's been a lot of studies done around how much the average person gives away. And the answer is not much at all, right? The average person does not give away money. But we're called to be generous. The Bible says a generous man will prosper. If that's something that you struggle with, I encourage you to get around someone who is generous financially. Talk to them. Ask them why they do it. Ask them, well, what, what have you got out of it? Why, you know, why would you live this way? Uh-huh. Um, the Bible says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Well, I firmly believe that I could open up anybody's bank account, go through your statements and get a pretty good handle on what you're passionate about, what you're invested in, what your priorities are, what areas of your life you're looking to change. If you were to open up my bank account, you would discover that recently I've started to really enjoy golf. <laughs> you would see... 37 and a half years of no golf and then six golf rounds in the last three weeks, right? What's going on there? No, you haven't won nearly all of them. Shut up. Jared's got this. He's like, Mulligan, Mulligan. That just means that doesn't count. I'm going to do it again. And I'm like, no, we'll just go from start to finish. Anyway, don't get me started, Jared. Right? 
Um, I, I remember when I was younger in my early 20s in, in a different church and there was a group of young people led by the pastor who went on a missions trip to Romania and they would get up and they would say, hey, we're gonna go to Romania, we're gonna work with the orphans. There was a, an organization over there that the church had partnered with and they would ask for money to help get there. And I was like all good with it until I started hanging out with one of the guys who was a mate of mine and he's like, bro, on the way, we're stopping off in LA and we're hitting Disneyland for a couple of days, just on the way. And I'm like, what? No, you can't have fun on a missions trip. No, I don't care if it makes sense. I don't care if you're flying into LA anyway, no. And I got a real chip on my shoulder about it. And every week they'd get up and they'd say, hey, we're only you know, two months away from leaving and we'd love it if you'd help. And I was like, I'm not paying for your Disneyland trip with some orphans tucked, tucked on the end. And then uh, one day, just towards the end, God said to me, I want you to give them some money. (sighs) What? I said, God, you don't understand. I'm very anti this trip. I'm not on board with anything to do with this trip. He said, I want you to give them some money. And I did a dumb thing. I said, how much? Which you never, (laughs) never, ever ask God that. But you want to give some money? All right, here's 20 bucks. Done. Ah, Conscience clear. Um, I said, how much? And at the time, it was a week's pay for me. I was working full time. Uh, and I was, you know, 21, 22, and it was, it was enough to hurt, you know? I said, oh, and I rested with that for a couple of weeks, and eventually I, I gave the money, and the weirdest thing happened. All of a sudden, I started to really care about this trip. And all of a sudden, this sounds crazy, I didn't mind that they were going to Disneyland. I was like, you know what, go, have a good time. Like, why wouldn't you? How often are you on the other side of the world? And they'd send back emails, you know, over the two-week period about what they were doing, and I'd read them, and I was stoked, and then they'd come back, and I was like, how did it go? And, you know, giving that money completely changed my heart, because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I wonder if we were to go through people's bank accounts, where your treasure is. Is your treasure where God's treasure would be, or does it look pretty similar to the world's? You guys are doing all right. Let me say... I've been pastoring here for almost two years. That is the first time I've ever mentioned money. I don't really think I mentioned it. You guys got off lightly. <laughs> Let me do one more thing because I'm in now and I, want to, I don't want you guys going home saying, I can't believe you talked about money. So I'll say this next thing and then you'll be talking about that instead. If I looked through, maybe not I, if God, if someone, not me, take me out of it. If someone looked through your Netflix library and could see what you were viewing, what you weren't viewing. Would that be in keeping with how God wants us to live our life? Or would it look just like what everybody else in the world is watching? You know, <laughs> I'll just go there. Why not? It's too, I'm in too far now. Half the church will leave before Vision Sunday next week. Here's a new show out called Bridgerton. <laughs> you know, Bridgerton, it's, it's popular. Everybody seems to love it. The only problem with Bridgerton is there's quite a lot of stuff in it. What a great Sunday for you to choose to stay in church, Harrison. <laughs> there's quite a lot of um, stuff in it, right? There's <laughs> oh, dear, mate. Um, And 
and it's so easy as Christians to go, well, it's just, it's just pop culture. It's just a TV show. Like, it doesn't matter. Here's the thing that's so fascinating to me is that someone has gone through Bridgerton, and someone, I was reading this in the paper this week, shared it with the team. Someone has cut all of the inappropriate scenes. You guys know what I'm talking about. And they uploaded it to a pornography website. And all of the actors are devastated because they say, this is not, this is not okay. Because context matters. And I do agree that context matters. If I go to a doctor's office and he says, drop your pants, no problem. Someone asked me to do that in the library, not so great, right? Context matters. I understand that context matters. But there's a huge part of me that thinks maybe, maybe if you can go onto a pornography website and watch those clips that fit alongside every other pornography video that's on there, maybe it's just porn. And it's just inserted into a show and we watch it and we go, ah, oh, it's, it's fine, it's all right, it's not a problem. The only issue with it is that if you conform to the patterns and behaviors of this world, you can't ever discover what God's will for your life is. What did Shane talk about last week? It's not about what's right or wrong. There's a higher standard, and that is what is wise and what is unwise. Listen, I'll finish with this. We get the band to jump up. If you want to discover what God's plan for your life is. And I love the way that the New Living Translation puts it. It says this, then you will learn to know God's will for you. It's not like you just wake up one morning and go, ah, now I know what God's plan is for my life. Had no clue for 45 years, but now I know. It is a process and a journey that you go on where you learn to know what God's will for your life is. And the single most dangerous thing you can do to abort that process is to fall into the trap of living like the world lives, loving like the world loves, giving like the world gives, thinking the way the world thinks. There should be something in each of our lives that just sets us apart from everybody else. At the very bottom of the list is what we consume on a daily basis. Man, if I can't see the difference, if you can't see the difference, if people can't see the difference in something as simple as what we choose to watch on television, then how will they ever see the difference in how we choose to live our life? Where we give our time, how we serve people, whether we trust God with our money or not. You guys did well. Excellent work. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to sing one more song this morning.